listening to the podcast, Do You Know Who I Am? This is episode number six. I'm your host, Patty Lane. Everyone has a story to tell, if you're willing to listen. And today's interview takes us to a moment in time that changed someone's future. Hi, I'm Julie Potaker. I started out life as an attorney, became a full-time mom and community volunteer and activist and board runner. And now I own a meditation studio and I teach mindful self-compassion, mindful methods for life and try to help people live better. Julie's change in careers came about through something that many of us can relate to, stress. Whether it's stress from work, relationships, taking on too many responsibilities or even from election burnout, we've all dealt with stress. In our conversation, Julie explains what mindfulness is, how it changed her life, and how it might change yours. And she starts with telling us how she went from being an attorney to a mindful meditation teacher. Let's get started. Well, when I was a lawyer, it was in Michigan, and uh, I worked for a medium-sized firm. I did mostly transactional contract work. I had a child, my son, who's now 26, and really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And so I stopped working. I kept doing pro bono work, like common ground, free legal clinic stuff, and I was working for a Baptist ministry, even though I'm not Baptist, because they had a phenomenal um, clothing closet and food relief and after-school program, and it was um, the lowest per capita in Detroit uh, area um, in Pontiac back then, uh, and they really needed the help, and I really had that sense of duty and compassion. And then we moved to California. And when we got to California with our almost three-year-old, I, um, I got really involved in organizations locally here. And I think maybe from having a, a Midwest work ethic and from having been an attorney, I couldn't I needed more than just to be an at-home mom. I had to be doing something uh, where I could really add value to other organizations. So I got heavily involved in organizations in San Diego and some in New York and um, and one actually in Israel, which is probably why I ended up so stressed out that I thought I had a brain tumor. And that's what led me to learning about meditation. And that's what led me to all the wonderful things that I'm doing now. So back up a second, back to the brain tumor. So <laughs> how do you just kind of think you have a brain tumor? The, the wrong words were coming out of my mouth. So um, we'd be passing by a coffee place and it would say something like cappuccino in the window. And I'd say, ooh, let's stop. I want to get a cappuccino. And then I'd look around and say, did I just say cappuccino? And I tried to say magical, and it came out maginal. Topsy-turvy came out bunky-burvy. And there, you know, it's, it's comic relief in my family now. They've become lexicons, like we say them now, um, because I didn't have a brain tumor, thank God. I mean, I know a lot of people, actually, personally, that unfortunately are no longer with us because of that. So um, so that had to be scary. It was really scary. And I went through all these neurological 
tests and there was this incredible doctor who is also no longer with us, but he has a huge following. His name's Dr. Chippendale. It was such a funny name, I never forgot it. Um, and he was here in Encinitas at Scripps. And after the complete medical tests were done, he did a whole psychosocial interview. And he said, the scans are clear, but you have too much going on in your brain. I had three teenagers. I was running organizations. I was running ragged. And so he recommended MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction. He said, do you know what that is? I said, no. Do you know who John Kabat-Zinn is? I said, no. Now, these are all people who I, I am so intimately familiar with this stuff now. It's amazing that I didn't know about it before. Um, so I took MBSR at UCSD. I don't, I don't even think the UCSD Center for Mindfulness existed then. It, it's huge now. But back then, I think it was just a class that they taught. Uh, and I, I was so intrigued by the neuroscience, and this probably goes back to being a little bit nerdy, that I just started taking class after course after course after course online through all these different institutes because you can rewire your brain. You're looking at me like, what? <laughs> Am I interviewing a crazy woman? No, you can rewire your brain for more happiness and resilience. So it's the work of Rick Hansen and many, many others, Richie Davidson, Dan Siegel, you know, very evidence-based, not new age, because I'm not new age. It's the lawyer brain of me. I'm very skeptical, you know, it's not, I'm not... Not that, not that I poo-poo that stuff, but I need the science to make it valid for me. And now that I know it and that I've done it and that I've done all these trainings, I can teach it. And so I can teach people who would say like, you know, that's hooey-balooey. And I can say, no, actually, here's the science and here's why you should do this. So you really had to get the background for it to work for you, for for you to kind oh, yeah. of wrap your brain around it. Honest to God, I, I've probably taken 15, 18 entire courses and trainings. So the Mindful Self-Compassion curriculum, which I'm a trained teacher of, which was built on the platform of the John Kabat-Zinn old curriculum, um, I have since taken that added a bunch of stuff to it, chopped it up, put it in a salad bowl, and created Mindful Methods for Life to just cut to the chase of all this stuff and be able to teach people how to do this so that we can live better. Well, and before we get to how it can help people and who it can help, how did it help you? Because you, you, you went from them saying, the doctor telling you you have too much going on in your brain, which is a little overwhelming to begin with, uh-huh. to researching this method and seeing that it worked. This is not a quick fix. And meditation is, a, is an enormous component of it. And meditation is dose-dependent. So you need to do it every day for years. 
but you don't need to do it every day for a half hour. You need to do it every day for five minutes and then maybe for 10 minutes. And then once you get really into it and you're noticing all these health benefits, okay, maybe I'd like to do this for a half hour sometimes. And when you don't have time, figuring out how to be right here right now in the moment with whatever you're doing, which is the mindfulness part and where it is in your body, which is the mindfulness part. So it's all this stuff that you learn that you incorporate into your life. And it was probably just a few years um, that it, it's, it was probably just a few years that it took for me to really um, help myself heal. And then I was like, whoa, I want to do this for other people. And so all the other years were stacking up all the credentials and all the teachings and all the learnings and the pedagogy so that I could figure out how I am actually going to help other people do this. What did you see that helped you? What did you notice that it was working? Well, I used to, I used to have depression, and I no longer had depression. I used to have a lot of anxiety. I no longer had anxiety. I used to get so overwhelmed that I would just roll up in a ball in my closet and cry. No more of that. So I'm sure that had I checked my heart rate and my blood pressure, I would have seen that those would have gone down. But those other really big markers for me, I mean, that's evidence to me. Um, Plus, the people around you can tell that you've changed because you're you're less reactive you're you're more able to you're more able to get your prefrontal cortex online and create a more skillful response your amygdala which is just this immediate reaction gets modulated by you opening up a space between the match and the fuse as Viktor Frankl would say, has said, and then you're able to make a more skillful response. You're able to listen better. You're able to be a better friend to yourself. You're able then to be a better mom, a better wife, a better daughter, a better friend, a better sister. You know, and so all the people in your life notice that you've changed. You know, I, I hear so many people and myself, I, I meditate and I talk to people about meditation. But the mindfulness, they have a hard time getting a hold of. You know, what is it? Is you're, you're talking about them working together. Yeah. But what is it about that that can kind of bring about that change? Is it just the being still? We're so intellectual and we're so from the neck up and we're so in our heads that sometimes people don't have any idea that they're actually feeling anything in their body. When they're angry, they think it's like this uh, mental function. They're not realizing that there's a constriction in their body. If they would just drop down and take a moment and figure it out, they'd find when they're angry or frustrated or whatever, something is tightening somewhere. It's either in their guts or it's in their solar plexus or it's in their throat. Some people get a pain in their head. And when you teach people how to find the things in their body, then they can work with them. And then they also learn that all these things that are emotions and thoughts even and feelings aren't permanent. They come and they go. They come and they go. And if you don't attach to them, which is 
what you're learning in meditation, what you know in meditation and what I know in meditation, they do pass through like clouds on the sky of your mind. It actually works. So those things go hand in hand. The point that you can actually be in turmoil and figure out how to manage the turmoil better, just knowing that you can do that, not to necessarily make it go away. That bad diagnosis is still happening. That marriage is still falling apart. That whatever the suffering is, I mean, and it could be on a grand scale or it could be you're upset about the state of America right now since the election. And you could be on both sides of the politics and still be upset at that. Well, how are you going to not stir that pot? How are you going to not obsess and get in a discursive loop about that? What are you going to do? I mean, I think it's, I think it's the prescription for, for everything. Talk to me a little bit more about that, about today, what we're seeing um, with the climate uh, politically, you know, people, and without getting political about it, but right. people are, you know, even if you turn the TV off, even if you turn the phone off, you know, somebody in line is saying something. There's something on a headline at the grocery store. I have an answer. Yeah. I have an answer, and I started doing it with my friends on Facebook. And my answer is, look, this is what's happening. You can like it or you cannot like it, but if you're upset about it, adding to the toxic waste dump isn't helpful to yourself or to humanity. The only thing that we can really do besides activism when you think it's important and being vigilant, of course, but emotionally, what can you do? I think it's loving kindness meditation because when you are wishing well, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live your life with ease. When you're sending out positive messages of goodwill, your heart opens and the people that come in contact with you mirror your neurons, not to get too technical about it, but everybody feels better. I was in the Department of Motor Vehicles two days ago with my daughter. That's not a happy place. We were there for two and a half hours. I was saying loving kindness phrases to all these random people. I had a perfectly fine time. That's how I spent my time. My daughter thought it was hysterical. You know what? It works. You could. You had to be there anyway. I had to be. Hey, she's like, this isn't worth it. I'm like, no, actually, it's a means to an end, and we're staying. May that person be safe. May he be healthy. May he be happy. May he live his life with ease. Oh wow, my chest feels warm and it feels open. Voila. So that's what's going to help. Plus reading, um, inspirational material, uh, trying to install a positive mental state. So if you're feeling particularly uh, in, the, in the soup, in the stew, at the bottom of the snake pit, whatever cliche you want to use, remembering a time, and sometimes it's a photograph. For you, it could be a grandchild or a FaceTime or whatever, and really visualizing that that's installing a positive mental state. You let that land, breathe that in, feel it in your body. You're rewiring your brain for more happiness and resilience. So there's all these things we can literally do 
to change our mind, change our brain that we feel in our body that can make us feel better. It's, there, there are ways to keep from getting sucked into the vortex. You gotta, you gotta pause. You have to remember to remember to pause. Because all the negative stuff that you take in, whether it be from what's going on politically or whether it's stress in your life or drama in your life, it's going to affect you physically. 100%. I have these little stickers from, you know, the Staples store that are just little colored stickers. And I have them around on the dashboard of my car, on my mirror. I had one on my phone before it went into the ocean. And they're just little reminders to stop and pause. That's all they are. Just because if you remember to remember, you can do it. But most people forget because their amygdala reacts so quickly and they get so caught up and they're like, oops. And then before you know it, you've spun off on a storyline and you're in hell. Who are you seeing this be the most benefit to? I mean, I would imagine that anybody that gets angry at any time or... I guess the reason I'm asking you this because people will say to me, well, I don't have anxiety or I don't have this, so I don't need fill-in-the-blank meditation or mindfulness. All human beings need it. We are wired to fight, flight, freeze. We have this negativity bias. Negative things stick in our brain like Velcro and positive things fall off like Teflon. There isn't a human being alive on this planet they couldn't benefit from this because it'll make you, I always say the word equanimity and people say, oh, you can't use the word equanimity. People don't understand what it means. Okay, it means balance. That's why the Balanced Mind Meditation Center is called Balanced Mind Meditation Center. And it's got um, a scale with a heart on one side and a mind on the other. So, um, it's, it's, it's keeping it all together and, and, and managing life better, managing relationships better, managing love better. Do you see this working well for children or for older adults? It's phenomenal for everybody. The, the movement for curriculum K through 12 is humongous. There's actually, um, and this is a shout out to the UCSD Center for Mindfulness, there's actually a conference every February. It is the conference now, and I think, um, but it's all of the people coming together from all over the country sharing their best practices and their curriculum for K through 12. Um, and mindful self-compassion, I happen to know, is unbelievable for kids uh, for age 11 to 25, they've altered the curriculum for, they call that the teenage brain because you're not fully myelinated till your mid twenties, even though 20 year olds, 22 year olds would never wanna think that they were a teenager. For science purposes, they are. Um, so two of my colleagues have adapted the mindful self-compassion curriculum for that age group and it's called Making Friends with Yourself, Mindful Self-Compassion for Teens and Young Adults. And they're doing, um, they're doing studies. So they're doing the evidence-based studies, um, and the results are incredible in North Carolina on this. And they're just starting teacher trainings. And these are ages, those teenage years, where there's so much confusion, there's so much going on. Plus, it's very hard to figure out who you are at that age. Sometimes it's easier to figure out who you're not. 
but all of those kids have so much pressure and they're so hard on themselves and the social media things get broadcasted without a pause there is no prefrontal cortex what limited prefrontal cortexes they even have there's none of that coming online before they tweet or they instagram or they facebook and it's it's traumatizing and devastating and that's why there's such an well that's not the only reason but that's one of the contributing reasons why there's such a horrifying suicide rate so if these kids could learn how to treat themselves like they would treat a dear friend which is what the mindful self-compassion course is aimed to do to treat yourself as you would treat a dear friend it would go a long way in alleviating their suffering it's nice for people to hear this because I think it gets pigeonholed into it's just this one thing. Mm-hmm. It's just if you're having stress or if you're having, having anxiety. Mm-hmm. But it could be used for so many other things in oh, your yeah. life. Absolutely. That opens it up to a, a larger group of people. It's, it's being um, taught in hospitals for the doctors and nurses to prevent uh, burnout. They, they um, I think they call it empathy fatigue now because people aren't, uh, people aren't, Plugging in compassion, if you plug compassion in, there's an action component to that. So you're, you're um, trying to alleviate their suffering, and you're also giving yourself compassion. And that is what is preventing burnout for people. But you have to teach them how to do that, because if you're just stepping into somebody else's shoes, you can drown, right? So it's being done there beautifully. It's being done in corporate settings magnificently. And some companies have their own... Uh, guru, and I say that in quotes, um, some companies have their own mindfulness experts on payroll, running seminars and running workshops in their company, and other companies are bringing people like me in to do a two-day workshop or just to do a lunch hour thing. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty mainstream. I think you'd have to be living in a cave to have not heard about it. So tell me about your mother's... Um the motivation you had to recognize your mom with all that you're doing. Yeah, so I had had really started helping her, teaching her meditation uh, when she got sick, before she passed away. And when she was in the hospital and she'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd be sitting in a chair, I would just push play on the voice on the Insight Timer app that it was one of the guided meditations whose voice she liked. And she, she didn't even know that she was awake. She'd fall right back to sleep. And I got her seriously habituated to Jack Kornfield's um, discs, his CD discs for difficult times or for healing. And my son actually went on eBay and got a Walkman. Do you remember Walkman? Yes. Right? So that, right? <laughs> so that she could just put the disc in and put headphones on and not have to deal with any technology. Um, and then I started teaching drop-in guided meditation just for free at the JCC while she was sick, just to see if there was an interest. And there was. Um, and then she died, and my dad said, you know, Mom would really want to support what you're doing. Um, And she was vice president of Sinai Hospital for like 22 years or 25 years, my childhood, before she wrote all those books and toured the world. Um, And 
he said, why don't, why don't um, I donate some of the money from her retirement fund? Because it was her money from working. I'm not going to, it's not my money. Uh, why don't I donate some of that to your meditation program? And I said, hmm, that's a great idea. Maybe I'll create an entire meditation studio and center in her memory. And so with his grant and then with my grant to do the demolition and recreation of the room and build the cubbies and the paint and public relations and marketing, we created this thing in her memory, my dad and myself. And um, when I walk in that room, I just feel love. I feel... And people come up to me and it's like, they're so grateful. They're so grateful to have even just a half hour to get in touch with that part of themselves that got lost during the day or maybe has been lost for a long time. And they can, they can access what we're really all about as humans which is love. We're, we're about love. That's our birthright. To love, to be loved, to give love. So that's a blessing. And what's the name of the center? The Balanced Mind Meditation Center. And your mother's name? Ruth Jacobowitz. And she wrote five women's health books and they were they were translated in 24 languages and do you remember Phil Donahue? She was on Phil Donahue. Each book, each book launched on the Today Show. 48 hours, followed her around for 48 hours. I mean, she was the real McCoy. And, um, you know, she, she wrote the first menopause book because she had a bad menopause. And uh, after that, it became osteoporosis and midlife sex love and intimacy and estrogen and she just wanted to heal people and she got letters from all over the world that attested to the fact that she did that and now in my own little way I'm trying to heal people too what would you like to tell people just kind of wrapping it up here I just want people to know that there's hope there's hope to live a better life no matter your circumstances. There's, there's I, I think of them as tricks, but they're techniques. And they're not difficult, and they just take practice. So I think people should, they could go to my website and learn a lot of it and never have to show up anywhere. And there's a lot of stuff online, too. I mean, there's, I have a resource page on my website. There's a lot of good newsletters. There's a lot of good websites. There's tons of free everything. So um, I just think, I just hope people do it. Julie founded the Balanced Mind and Meditation Center, a non-religious drop-in meditation studio in San Diego. It's at the Lawrence Family Jewish Community Center. Well, if you'd like to check out what it feels like to be guided in a mindful meditation, well, Julie recorded one with me during our conversation, and I'll post it in a separate podcast so you can check it out. I'll also add some more links to mindful meditation on our webpage at doyouknowwhoiam.com. And remember, you is just the letter U. 
If you'd like to hear more stories like this, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It's available online, in iTunes, and on Android. Check out one of their free apps like Podcast Attic. And we would really appreciate you taking the time to add a review on iTunes. Until next time, I'm Patty Lane. Remember, everyone has a story to tell. You just have to be willing to listen. Listen.